Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Sam Splaining Science. I'm Sam, I'm your host, I'll be Sam Splaining the Science, and today we're talking about sound, hearing, how the ear hears sound. Let's get into it. Hi everyone, how are you? I hope you're doing well. I hope you've been having a nice holiday season. I hope whatever, any and all holidays that you celebrate have been good for you so far this year. Um, I'm sorry that it's been a minute. That's putting it lightly. Um, But December has been a very busy month for me. I know a lot of people say like, they're going to pretend to work between Thanksgiving and like New Year's because realistically, how much do you get done in a month? Um, I got a lot done in a month. I've been working, working, working. Um, and I wanted to get two more episodes in, in 2022. I wanted to get to 40 episodes in this year. Um, so my plan was to do 30, episode 39, this episode, in the first week of December, and then episode 40 in the second week of December, and then take the rest of December off, and then start again in January. Um, but what's happening is now both episodes 39 and 40 are coming out in the last week of December, because this month flew by, for me at least, I don't know about you, but I, I literally can't believe I'm recording this December 28th. I can't believe how fast this month went. Um but we're getting it done. We're doing episode 39 today, and then episode 40 will come out on the 31st, the very last day. We're making it by the skin of our teeth, but we're going to make it. Um, but yeah, that's me. I hope you all have had a nice December. I'm sorry I disappeared for a little while. Um, but I hope you've all had a nice holiday season. I hope you've taken time to relax and reflect and celebrate. And, uh, yeah, I hope December has been good to you. Um, okay. Today's episode On to today's episode, episode 39. We're going to talk about, as I mentioned, sound and hearing. And this topic was kind of inspired by like when Spotify Wrapped came out the first week in December, I thought, oh, I should do an episode about like music. But then I thought maybe it would be better to do just a general like sound episode. And that sort of evolved into today's episode. So let's get into it. So that brings us to today's questions. We have two questions today. The first one is what is sound? Um, this is more of like a physics-y question. And then the second question is more biological, and it's how do people sense, or I guess it doesn't have to be just people, but how do we sense sound? So those are our questions for today. Okay. Um, I had some technical difficulties. You probably didn't even realize because I probably cut it out. Um, but we had some technical difficulties but we're back. The fact that I had a technical difficulty before question one, great sign. This is going to be a good episode. I can already tell. 
just blessed, I guess. Okay, anyway, question one, what is sound? I mentioned that this is going to be sort of like a physics-y question, but it's just going to be like a really quick physics, physics adjacent. We're not going to really dive into the physics because I'm not a physics teacher. And it's hard to understand physics, let alone teach it. So I'm just going to kind of give you what you need to know. Um, and I just hope that you take my word for it. I don't know. Okay. Um, so question one, what is sound? Sound is um, energy in a way. It's the transfer of energy. Uh, but it transfers energy by making molecules in the air, particles like gas, oxygen, carbon dioxide, nitrogen, gases, and um, making those particles vibrate. Um, and I say through air because that's like usually how we hear sound, but it's really through any medium. It could be underwater. We can hear sound. Um, it's, but it, sound requires particles to propagate. So I'm going to stick with air because of, we're all here in air. If you're listening to this underwater, do you need help? Just kidding. Okay. Um, but yeah, so sound is the transfer of energy by making air particles vibrate in a pattern. So what usually happens, and I have a diagram pulled up here if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash at samsplainingsci, um, we have a source of sound here, which here is like an air horn. And what happens is the source of sound, whether it's an air horn or a Bluetooth speaker or someone's voice, the sound of the source of sound will release energy in the form of a pressure wave through the air. And this pressure wave causes the air particles to pulse depending on different factors of the sound, like the volume of the sound or the pitch of the sound in particular. So as the sound, the source of the sound emits this pressure wave, we can from that determine the sound wave based on how the air particles move from the pressure that's being released. Um, so we can get this sort of sound wave or audio wave form based on the change in pressure, which propagates through the air um, as the air particles sort of vibrate and move. So in releasing sound, there's a release of pressure. And with that pressure, the air particles um, compress together, right? They're like very close together and they're vibrating with the sound that is being released because it's a essentially like an air pulse, right? So with that pulse, the, the particles in the air are like pressurized. But as the sound propagates, there's sections of the atmosphere of the air where the the air particles or the molecules in the air haven't been hit by that pressure wave yet. So that is um, 
So like that section of space and time is more spread out there. The air particles don't have that much pressure. Um, so they're more relaxed. They're more spread out. Um, and from this change in pressure, the increase in pressure that comes with the initial release of energy as sound, and then the decrease in pressure when there is not sound being emitted, um, we can get this audio wave form. And you might be familiar with these sort of audio waveforms. I am because I edit this podcast and it sort of looks this way, but you might also have seen it. I mean, I see it sometimes on Instagram when people post like audio clips and they have that sort of like wave formation um, where maybe as the volume gets louder, the waves get taller or as the volume gets quieter, the waves get shorter. Um, so those sort of waveforms are indicative of the properties of the sound. So some properties of an audio waveform or a sound wave um, are amplitude and frequency. And we talked a little bit about waves previously. I think it was in the James Webb Space Telescope episode where we talked about like the electromagnetic spectrum and we talked about different wavelengths and frequencies and all that stuff. Um, but we'll review it again here where a waveform is essentially a, mm, I'm trying to find the way to describe it for my audio listeners only. Um, so a wave will essentially increase, go up into the sky and then come back down to baseline and then go underground and then come back down to baseline. And that's essentially a wave is going up and back down and then down and back up. That's a full wave. Um, and there are a couple of characteristics to this wave that we can use to describe it, including the amplitude, which is essentially how tall the peak is. How high does the wave go is the amplitude. Um, and that, for sound waves, is related to the volume of the sound. So louder sounds will have a higher amplitude or a taller hill than a quieter sound, which will have a shorter amplitude or a shorter hill. We can also define sound waves based on their frequency. And frequency is basically how frequent the waves are in a given period of time. Um, so let's just say the, the measurement of frequency is, is measured in one per second, where basically it's like how many waves can you fit in a second? I think that's the best way to describe it. Um, so that more, a higher frequency means that you have more waves in a given period of time. So the traveling up and back down and down and back up happens very quickly in succession versus a lower frequency will have waves occurring less frequently. So the wave will take its time going up and coming back down and going down and coming back up. That's a, a lower frequency. In sound, frequency relates to the pitch of the sound. So you might hear like, you know those like really high pitched sounds that only dogs can hear? Like that's a really high pitch, so it has a very high frequency. So the airwaves 
are, or the sound waves rather, are like really, really quick in succession, one right after the other, right after the other. Whereas a lower pitch, so like the things that we can hear with our human ears, um, tends to have a lower frequency. So the waves go up and come back down um, a little slower over time compared to a higher pitched sound. Um, so I hope that made sense. I hope that wasn't too much physics for those who don't like physics. Um, but I hope that kind of gives an idea about sound and how it travels through air and how we can characterize, uh, how we can characterize sound, um, based on the properties with which it travels through the air. Okay. That's question one. Now on to question two, which is how do people, how do we as people sense sound? Um, and the answer to that is with our ears. Our ears are the organ in our bodies that help us sense and process sound waves. So the ear is broken up into the outer ear, the middle ear, and the inner ear. So I figured we could kind of walk through and see the different components of each part of the ear. Um, for this question, for this part of the episode, I got some very helpful information and some diagrams from a textbook chapter written by Dr. Peter W. Alberti. Um, that's linked in the episode description if you want to take a look yourself. Um, but that's where this diagram comes from. And a lot of the information that I got is from that textbook chapter. Um, okay, but let's start on the outside and work our way through kind of like we're, we are the sound wave. We are the sound wave. Um, kind of like if we were in an episode of the magic school bus and like Miss Frizzle like made us a sound wave and like we went into somebody's ear as we're traveling with the sound wave, what would we see? going into the ear. Okay, so starting with the outer ear, uh, you guessed it, that's the outside of the ear. It includes the lobe and the auricle, which I always referred to as the cartilage, um, but a car the cartilage is the tissue inside of the auricle. I didn't realize that was the name of it. Um, but it's basically the out of the ear and it's sort of shaped almost like a funnel like a cone of sorts. So it captures the sound waves in the air and it funnels it down or directs the sound waves down into the ear canal, the external auditory ear canal. Um, and then the sound waves from there are funneled until it reaches the tympanic membrane or the eardrum, which I think is very clever because tympanic membrane, like a tympany, which is a drum, and the eardrum, get it? Okay, bye. Um, so like just like a tympany or like a drum, really of any kind, has sort of like a membrane over a hollow vessel, <laughs> bucket, I don't know. It has like a membrane over it. So that tympanic membrane is sort of like the membrane of the drum. Um, and that's sort of the end of the external ear canal. So essentially the skin is sort of continuous with the outer ear 
um, as it goes down into the ear canal and it gets it's pretty thick layers of skin until it gets down to the tympanic membrane, which is essentially a very thin layer of tissue um, that is very sensitive. So you might have heard like someone popping their eardrum. Um, it's like damage to this very thin membrane um, that is at the end of the external ear canal. So the tympanic membrane is sort of the end of the outer ear. And from the tympanic membrane, past that, we get to the middle ear. So the middle ear essentially starts with the tympanic membrane on one side. And then there are three bones that are located in the middle ear. They're called the malleus. It's shaped like a hammer or like a mallet. So it's called the malleus. The incus, which is shaped like an anvil. But to me, when I hear incus, I think of Ah Real Monsters. Was there a monster named Incus in Ah Real Monsters? Was it the one that held its eyes up? You know what I'm talking about? Um, let me see. Oh, Icus. And it was not the one that held its eyes up. It was the purple one. Anyway, different. Forget I said anything. The malleus, the incus, which is not a monster, it's shaped like an anvil. And then the third bone is called the stapes, which looks like a stirrup. So I guess from like outer to inner, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes are the three bones of the middle ear. And what happens is as the sound is traveling down the auditory ear canal, it then gets to the tympanic membrane or the eardrum. And then that membrane um, pushes with the air pressure that changes. And then the membrane, the tympanic membrane, then hits the bones in the middle ear, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes. And as those bones are hit by one another, sort of like in succession, the sound then propagates still as like a pressure, like a mechanical signal, I guess, because it's like motion, right? It's moving, it's pressure changes um, from one bone to the other. So it's like physical contact transfer of energy um, at that point in the middle ear. And I think those are like the main players of the middle ear are those three bones, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes. After those bones in the middle ear, we get to the inner ear. And I think the main character of the inner ear is the cochlea, um, which is a beautiful name. If I ever have a daughter, I'm adding it to that list. Amygdala is one that I'll name a future daughter. Cochlea is another one, beautiful name. Um, the cochlea is part of the inner ear, and it has sort of like a spirally shape it kind of looks like um like you know how sometimes you see like cartoons of like snails and then it has like the sp the spirally shell on its back that's what the cochlea reminds me of because it has like this little spiral thing um but basically the cochlea is connected 
I don't know if it's connected. It's like right next to the stapes, which is that third bone in the middle ear. So the sound wave hits the tympanic membrane. The tympanic membrane hits those three bones, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes. And then the stapes then with that wave will hit the cochlea. And the cochlea is filled with fluid. So within the cochlea, when the stapes hits it, that fluid will be, will start a waveform throughout the cochlea. Cochlea, cochlea, cochlea. How many times can I say that word before it stops sounding like a word? Hopefully never, because my future daughter will, will hate me. Um, just kidding. Okay. Um, but yeah, so basically like when the stapes hits the cochlea, it shakes the fluid in the cochlea. And then that's the point where this sort of physical, mechanical transfer of energy um, starts turning into, instead of like vibrational energy, it turns into more electrical energy. And it does that through the help of the hair cells of the inner ear. So we have this cochlea here, um, which is like a little spirally thing. Inside the cochlea is something called the organ of corti or corti. And this is where the hair cells of the inner ear are located. So the hair cells, they're called hair cells because they are basically just like flowy, elongated cells. They kind of look like little hair follicles. Um, not hair follicles, you know what I mean? Little like hairs, essentially. Um, so when these hair cells move, because the fluid of the cochlea is moving, um, this causes ion channels of the hair cells to open. And ions are, I should say this before I said ion channels, but ions are basically charged particles. So you might have heard of like a sodium ion where basically like you have a sodium atom, but it has one less electron. So now it has one less negative charge, which makes it positively charged sodium. Um, so that's a sodium ion, just an example. But essentially ions are charged particles. And when ion channels are open in cells, that means that charged particles can flow in a certain direction. And that flow of charged particles is essentially electricity, right? When we think about electricity, when we plug in, you know, something into an outlet, electrons or charged particles flow through the wires. Um, so in our body, we have flow of charged particles, which is essentially electricity, right? So the hair cells flow with the fluid of the cochlea and then they kind of move in a certain way where they open their ion channels and then ions can flow through the hair cell as an electric charge essentially and um, that process of changing the mechanical pressure wave to an electrical signal is called mechanotransduction. 
Um, I actually wrote a paper about mechanotransduction in college. So, not that I'm an expert or anything, but I did write a paper on it, so anyway. That's actually kind of why I was excited to do this episode, because I was like, wait, I kind of know about this a little bit. Like, I, I, I'm not an expert. I don't study the ear. I'm not an audiologist or whatever, but, like, I kind of know a little bit. I know enough. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the hair cells transfer this, like, mechanical energy of pressure change to electrical energy in the movement of ions. And the hair cells in the cochlea are very close to synapses or the space between nerve cells, uh, synapses of the auditory nerve. So when the, the electricity is flowing through the hair cells, that will connect to the nerve cell that is responsible for connecting the auditory signal of sound in the ear to the brain um, through the auditory nerve. So that's sort of like the microscopic view of the cochlea and the function of the cochlea and what it does. So the inner ear, mainly the cochlea, vibrates because um, it gets shaken up by the stapes, the bone in the middle ear. And then that fluid gets shaken and it flows. The fluid gets shaken? Yeah, shaken. Shook? Anyway, the fluid in the cochlea gets perturbed. SAT word? Maybe. I don't know. Um, and that fluid causes the hair cells in the cochlea to move. And that movement of the hair cell causes ion channels to open, which causes the flow of charged particles through the hair cell. And then that stimulates the hair cell to stimulate the auditory nerve, which is like right next door. Um, and then that auditory nerve sen sends signals to the brain. So that's like the connection. So TLDR, the cochlea is where the mechanical pressure vibrational energy of sound gets translated to the bioelectrical signal that we can interpret with our brains. Pretty cool. Also, just like a FYI, like a real world related topic. Um, if you've heard of Maybe you know someone who's deaf or hard of hearing. They may have a, what's called a cochlear implant. Um, so the idea of a cochlear implant is to help process sounds for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And so the idea is that a cochlear implant can skip through portions of the middle or inner ear that might not be fully functional um, if those parts are not fully functional, that can cause loss, either full loss of hearing or partial loss of hearing in some people. Um, so the cochlear implant essentially is put under the skin and it is a transmitter of sound waves, audio stimuli, um, and it sends that stimuli, it translates that pressure into electric signal, just like the middle and inner ear do. 
Um, and then it sends that stimuli to electrodes that are placed inside of the cochlea. So essentially, the cochlear implant does the job of the inner ear by taking mechanical vibrational signals and transmitting it to an electrical or an, an electrode that makes electrical signals. And then those electrical signals can stimulate the auditory nerve, just like the inner ear or the cochlea would do. Um, so it's sort of a way to um, bypass the middle ear and the inner ear, which might may not be fully functional in people who are hard of hearing. Um, so that's a cochlear implant, just FYI, a real world relevant application. Okay, so now we've talked about the outer, middle, and inner ear, and we've talked about sort of how the out the outer auditory stimulus becomes a nerve signal. But then once it becomes a nerve signal, what happens? So once the auditory nerve is activated and stimulated, we'll move from the ear to the central nervous system. And this electrical signal starts with being transferred from the auditory nerve to the brainstem. The brainstem is a part of the brain that uh, in the purpose of it includes regulating breathing rate, regulating heart rate, um, also responsible for like reflexes and sensory processing, including the processing of the sense of hearing. So for sensory processing, essentially it organizes and passes nerve signals to relevant brain regions. So for auditory stimuli, the nerve signals go up to both hemispheres of the cortex, so both sides of the brain, left and right, and it triggers regions or it activates regions that are responsible for um, attention. So one region that's very important in like attention and arousal and awareness is the thalamus, which is a subcortical region of the brain. Um, but attention is also implicated in regions like in the frontal cortex and in the parietal cortex. It also activates regions that are responsible for learning and memory. A lot of those regions are located in the temporal cortex, which are right by your temples on the sides of your head, um, as well as the hippocampus, which is like the main memory honcho um, in your brain. And then it also... Um, a lot of times, especially when we're thinking about listening to speech, whether it's, you know, listening to a lecture or listening to music that has lyrics, um, it also will stimulate regions of your brain that are responsible for language. So this includes Wernicke's area, I, I think I'm pronouncing that right, but which is basically in the posterior, so the back, superior, upper part of the temporal lobe. And this is important, particularly for language comprehension. Um, and then Wernicke's area is connected to, through a series of neural pathways, connected to Bracca's area, which is responsible for speech production. So like if you and I are having a conversation, I'm listening to what you're saying and hearing your speech, and it's getting processed through my Wernicke's area, 
and then I'm having some thought processes and thinking about how I'm going to respond. And then Bracca's area in my brain will formulate my response so that I can say it as speech. Um, it's all, you know, it's connected up there. It's all one big functioning, beautiful brain. Um, sometimes it, it functions better than others. I haven't even had coffee yet today. Imagine how good I would be at speech right now if I had had my coffee this morning. Wow. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that's sort of how when we hear, once we sense the sound, how do we process it in our brain? It goes to all different parts of our brain that are responsible for all different types of uh, functions. So I just thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I think that pretty much summarizes question two, which is how do people sense sound? So that's question two. Um, taking the pressure waves of sound from the outer ear, funneling it down into the middle ear where we have those three bones, the malleus, the incus, the stapes, those bones will vibrate when the sound wave hits the tympanic membrane, and then the tympanic membrane pushes those bones, and then those bones will push on the inner ear, um, eventually pushing the fluid of the cochlea, and then the cochlea will stim transfer that mechanical stimulus into an electrical stimulus, and that electrical stimulus will stimulate the auditory nerve, which will bring the electrical signal of sound to the brain where it will be processed. And um, yeah, so that's sort of the takeaway, I guess, from this episode. The takeaways from this episode, the ear transduces sound, which are pressure waves, into nerve impulses that are then interpreted by the brain. And then I wanted to also close out, um, even though it's literally four weeks late, I wanted to close out with my Spotify wrapped because the intention was to put this episode out the first week of December when Spotify wrapped was still relevant. But life comes at you fast, you know? So we're just gonna do it now. What, have, what sounds have graced my ears for the last 12 months? Let's get into my Spotify wrapped. This is a better late than never, Sam's 2022 Spotify wrapped. Starting out, I wanted to share my top songs which were five songs from two separate artists. Um, my top song was How Dare You Want More by Bleachers, um, followed by As It Was by Harry Styles. Third was Stop Making This Hurt by the Bleachers. Fourth was Grape Juice by Harry Styles, which I'm shocked was not the top Harry Styles song, but we'll let it go. And then um, I guess As It Was came out first, technically. Um, and then fifth was Music for a Sushi Restaurant by Harry Styles. So Bleachers and Harry Styles dominated my top songs. My top artist was Harry Styles. I listened for 2,721 minutes, and I was in his top 0.5% of listeners. Um, but I do just want to say, when I had COVID in May, his album had just come out. So I literally, when I was home isolating, because I, I was sick, I listened to his album nonstop for like 10 days. 
So I think that kind of makes sense that I'm in his top 0.5% of listeners. It, it adds up to me at least. Um, but he wasn't the only artist that I listened to. My top five artists were Harry Styles, Bleachers, Hosier, Boney Vare, and Arctic Monkeys. And honestly, I'm a little disturbed that not a single woman is on this list. I always think of myself as a feminist, and I'm like, am I though? But I will say that in my playlist, in my full playlist of like all of my songs that I played on repeat this year, there were there was representation of women. There's Florence and the Sheen, Meg the Stallion. There was a lot of women on the playlist. It was just for some reason the top artists, the top songs were all men. Anyway, um, but I, that's one of my new re- my New Year's resolutions is to stop listening to men. <laughs> listen to more women artists because I do love women artists it's just for some reason I don't know I'll do better I am going to do better because I, you know we love when women make art but just for some reason I don't have them in my top Spotify wrapped but that's okay next year I'll do better I promise um, but yeah that's my Spotify wrapped literally four weeks late. Um, hope you enjoyed learning about the sounds that graced my ears. The sounds that made the hair cells in my inner ear mechanotransduce into electrical signals to my brain. There you go. Bringing it all together, babe. All right. That's all for this episode. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. And subscribe on YouTube, please. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at SamSplainingSci, so connect with me there and ask questions if you'd like. You can also submit your questions to samsplainingscience.com slash ask, so if you have anything that you want Sam explain to you, ask away. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I will talk to you on Saturday. Episode 40 will come out on Saturday, and that is a promise, so I will see you then. Bye.